Greg Boyson with Inside Personal Growth. I want to thank all of my listeners who come back again and again and again to listen to the words of wisdom from our authors. And today, joining me from Salt Lake City is Dallas Hartwig, and Dallas and his wife, Melissa, have uh, authored a new book called The Whole 30, The 30-Day Guide to Total Health and Food Freedom. They're also the authors of a best-selling book, It Starts With Food. Good day to you, Dallas. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing a little bit of time with my listeners. I'm going to let my listeners know a tad bit about you. Um, Dallas is a function, functional medicine practitioner, a certified sports nutritionist, and a licensed physical therapist who specializes in treating lifestyle-related hormonal, digestive, and metabolic health issues. He's a New York Times bestselling author of The Whole 30, and it starts with food. 2012, he founded a functional medicine practice, mentoring under Dr. Daniel Kalish and enrolled in the Institute for Functional Medicine Certification Program. Uh, Dallas is on the advisory board of the Paleo FX and Fitwall, and on the board of editors and reviewers of the International Journal of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine. Uh, in his spare time, he's up there in Salt Lake, snowboarding, mountain biking, and rides motorcycles. Well, Dallas, again, it's a pleasure having you on, and uh, you were profiled month before last or last month in Experience Life magazine, and that's how I found out about you. And you and your wife and team have created an amazing website, and I want to compliment you on such a, an amazing, well-laid-out book as well. Uh, it's, it's truly superb. Thank you. Now, let, let's kind of start this off. You know, dieting, exercise, nutrition, all of these things are at the forefront of I would say almost every American's mind all the time. And I happen to be listening to a podcast, interesting, about Brazil and how their waistline is expanding because they're all eating junk food because it's socially kind of the norm now. And in the preface yeah. of your book, you mentioned that the Whole30 program, you say it's not hard and that we, that we have you know, made it harder on ourselves. What makes your program, you think, easier to manage than, and implement than any of these other programs that people do? I know I was telling you before we got on the podcast that I had a functional medicine doctor put me on the program. And I will say the first few days of it, three days, was challenging, getting off all the sugar and had me getting off all breads and everything. Tell us a little bit about the program and why you believe it's, it's so much easier. Well, yeah, so I don't think that the program is necessarily easier than other programs, but the concept of, of sharing like, hey, this is not hard, what we really want to do is kind of give people a bit of a reality check and say, you know, you know, we kind of get wrapped up in our day-to-day -day routine and kind of the things that we're up to, including our nutritional choices, and um, just kind of giving people that reality check of like, listen, you know, uh, uh, quitting heroin is hard. Birthing a baby is hard. Beating cancer is hard. But like drinking your coffee black for 30 days is really not hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that that line, that sort of like nudge, that tough love approach really resonated with a lot of our early audience and really was like um, kind of the, definitely the, the most sort of shared and most quoted um, excerpt from the Whole30 program. 
And I think what people really got was that, hey, yeah, like I can do this. It's a very sort of empowering uh, message, even though there is a sort of a little, uh, a little uh, two sides of the coin of that tough love. Yeah. And, you know, you guys wrote a prior book to this and it started with whole nine, right? So yeah. what, what is the difference? I mean, you know, the scientific evidence behind the program that you've created, you state is, is in the first book. Um, and it's called It Starts With Food. Um, how did this whole 30 come about for you and Melissa? And, you know, why did you guys decide to start this? Yeah, so I had a powerful personal experience um, back in 2006 where I, you know, in a period of about six weeks, fully resolved a longstanding chronic shoulder inflammation just by making dietary changes. Mm-hmm. So I kind of stumbled across uh, some, uh, some research in the British Journal of Clinical Nutrition and was like, oh, hey, this is interesting stuff talking about dietary components directly affecting uh, systemic inflammation. And just sort of on a whim, made some experimental changes in my own diet. And within a period of a few weeks, really, you know, basically completely resolved uh, shoulder inflammation that had been going on for over a year. So for me, that was a really powerful personal experience. And then I kind of started digging into the rest of the science and saying, like, okay, what other dietary components influence overall health, particularly in terms of inflammation, um, because inflammation is a, is a core central uh, risk factor for all chronic disease. So if we understand that like that's a key component that has to kind of be managed or kind of be looked at or addressed with any healthy living program, then it gave me the opportunity to kind of connect the dots in my own mind of food choices, systemic inflammation, disease risk, long-term health and vitality. And then we started sharing that and Mm -hmm. um, shared that on a small personal blog, which then became, um, you know, kind of a, a public freely distributed blog. And that was really the genesis of the Whole30 program back in 2009, uh, where we just said, like, hey, this, sounds, this was a cool thing. We did this, uh, had a powerful personal experience. Do you want to do that? And a bunch of people jumped on board, and then more people and more people and more people. And this has really been kind of a, a rolling thing ever since. Yeah, and now 1.5 million followers uh, you've got is quite an accolade since 2006. I mean, you've obviously picked up tons of momentum. This new book is awesome. I didn't have the opportunity to read the first book, but I bet you it's as good. Now, you you also mentioned in this that it's not a diet, it's not a quick fix, it's not even weight loss. Um, So I bet you many of my listeners are going, okay, Dallas, so what is it? Because every time they turn around the corner, they're hearing about another quick fix. And I realize that you're talking about a lifestyle change, uh, which a lot of people do. But that also goes into the psychological element of this as well. How do you guys or do you address um, some of the whole psychological elements of, of making a change like this? Yeah, and I think that's, um, that's an astute observation because that's really a, a feature of the program that I think does make it really distinct from other short-term diets or other long-term nutritional programs is that the Whole30 is a 30-day elimination diet. Um, looking at removing uh, most of the common food um, food groups or food uh, types that are problematic for people, either from an immunological sensitivity standpoint, from a gut disruption standpoint, from a psychological standpoint. And so in It Starts With Food, we lay out our sort of our method, our, our thought process from a rational and scientific standpoint about why we think you should include and exclude certain foods in your everyday diet. And then the Whole30 program is our short-term intervention 
to sort of give people the opportunity to learn about themselves, them personally, not generalized prescription, not this is good for you, this is bad for you in general terms, but that have a personal experience themselves to figure out, hey, how do different foods affect me? And then beyond that 30 days with systematic reintroduction, they can then make educated food choices literally for the rest of their life because they understand um, how some of these foods affect them and, and connect with some of their symptoms that they'd previously been having that they maybe didn't even understand was connected to food. So things like uh, insomnia, uh, sleep conditions, um, you know, uh, mood disorders like depression and anxiety, uh, skin disorders like acne and eczema and psoriasis, uh, digestive distress, chronic inflammation in the joints. Lots of these different things are directly connected to food choices. And if you've always been eating these particular foods, you've never had the opportunity to experience what it's like to be without them. And that was my personal experience back in 2006, where I'd never really been, in, in the case of, uh, of my personal experience, I'd never really been without grains and legumes for a period of time. And yeah. so that short-term intervention gave me such a powerful understanding of how those affected me in a tangible way regarding my shoulder pain, that now I just get to make educated choices and say, okay, I know what the consequences are of this. I know kind of, you know, this, that my body doesn't tolerate some of these foods well. And then I just get to make more informed choices literally for the rest of my life. Makes sense. I mean, it, it seems extremely logical, obviously, but I think there's quite an addiction to many of the foods we're talking about. And you have this, uh, an accolade in, in the front of the book um, and love, again, uh, the way you lay it out with the Q&A in the section, and we're going to get into vegetarian here in, in a minute. But you have this testimony in the front of the book, and the person writes that, that he uncovered a new side of himself that he'd been hiding, a new happier self, a more optimistic self, more energetic self, and a more innovative side. Now, that's quite a you know testimonial. What this guy is saying is not only did he have a shift in his physical health, but that mentally he was more acute. Um, he had more ability to tap into, I'm just going to call it a spiritual side because the food wasn't blocking his ability. Um, why is it that you believe your clients have such amazing things to say about the Whole30 program as a result of getting on it like that? Well, I think that and the reason we chose that particular uh, testimonial um, from one of our readers was because it's such a common, sort of, such a recurring theme among people who participate in the Whole30 in that um, making food choices just for a short-term period, so the Whole30 is just a 30-day period with systematic reintroduction, but mm -hmm. just during that 30 days, um, people have such profound changes in their mood, mental focus, and energy levels um, that that's a really common thing. People say, wow, I like, like I'm clear. I, it, actually, it's kind of a, a comical phrase, but a lot of people say, I'm strangely happy. Sort of talking about the like, my mood has improved, and I didn't really even understand that I might have been sort of mildly depressed before, and I'm so much more happy and clear and stable now just in such a short-term period. And so, um, you know, that testimonial was like just a really good example. And I think a lot of that goes back to blood sugar regulation and removing some of the inflammatory factors in your diet, which does have a really powerful effect on your mental state. It's, it obviously does, and I think the the issue that you and Melissa do is you bring this awareness to the forefront of this. Now, you have rules uh, from the Whole30 program, which are eating meat, eating seafood, eggs, vegetables, fruit, and natural fats. 
But you say don't consume sugars, alcohol, grains, legumes, or dairy. Uh, do not consume baked goods or treats, and do not weigh yourself. Um, pretty interesting focus because you know you look at one of the biggest weight loss programs around, which is Weight Watchers, and I'm sure there's plenty of my listeners out there who've been on Weight Watchers <laughs> in between. Um, Absolutely. You, know, you, you guys are taking a, a completely different approach to this. Throw out the scale. Uh, these are the things you don't eat. These are the things you can eat. And, and I'm going to blend into this actual question because I want you to kind of address this. You have a small section in there about vegetarianism. Uh, I happen to have been vegetarian, and when I got to the functional medicine doctor, she said, you know what, I think you ought to reintroduce chicken and fish into your diet. And I did, because I'd been vegetarian for 18 years. And that was quite a difference. Speak with my listeners, because I'm sure there's a lot of vegetarians out there. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going, man, I'm going to have to get rid of all of that. Um, tell them how it works. Well, yeah, so I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the the vegetarian component of it first. Um because we believe that optimal human health um, is built on a foundation of optimal nutrition, and part of that optimal nutrition is uh, a, a nutrient-dense supply of complete amino acids, and that's typically sourced from meat, seafood, and eggs, it's really difficult to have an optimal Whole30 experience as a vegetarian. Um, and actually, we, we sort of talk about if you're including some uh, foods that would not actually be part of the Whole30, if you're, doing the, if you're doing the Whole30 as a vegan or as a vegetarian, it's not really quite technically the Whole30 because some of the foods you're going to kind of out of necessity need to include. But the other part too is that we're not trying to do that in any sort of, um, sort of judgmental, demeaning, condescending way. We're just saying if you have specific ethical um, restrictions or religious restrictions where you've kind of chosen not to eat meat, that's great, and we're fully supportive of those choices. Just understand that from a health standpoint, you're not going to get an optimal result from the Whole30. And uh, people still do uh, the Whole30 as vegetarians on a really regular basis. It's just sort of a modified version. And I think the results are really good. I think just the removal of a lot of the commonly problematic foods, um, particularly grains and dairy, um, you know, really helps. And then depending on how they do source some of their good uh, dense protein sources, um, they may or may not have quite the same degree or quite the same powerful degree of improvement in some of their symptoms, but it's still a huge piece because the Whole30 also addresses the psychological component, which is kind of true across the board for whether people are omnivores or vegetarians or vegans. Mm -hmm. And the Whole30, looking at that, that psychological component, um, you know, we don't think food should be reward or punishment. We don't think that, uh, you know, we should address the weight loss piece as a primary metric of success. We really think that what people are looking for is they want to feel good, they want to look good, they want to be healthy and prevent disease long term. And that's really what the Whole30 is about. And um, so doing so, um, the weight loss component um, is sort of a natural built-in bonus, but definitely not the feature, the, the focus. And the reason we instituted the rule of not weighing yourself during the 30 days is because we had people write to us on a, on a really regular basis and say, I don't understand why the whole 30 doesn't work for me. I, I, I did it as you wrote it and it just didn't work for me. I'm sleeping a lot better. My energy is better um, and my skin's cleared up, but I've only lost three pounds in three weeks and I just don't think the whole 30 is working. And that was a bit of a frustrating process for us because we, we would kind of say to people in response, 
you just told me that you know, the quality of your life improved in a short period of time in a lot of different areas, but because of the um, lack of radical aggressive weight loss, people just couldn't see that. And so in sort of taking the scale out of the limelight, out of the, out of the spotlight, it then allowed them to say, oh, yeah, like look at all these parts of my life that are better now without some of these problematic foods, and then allows them to have a more extensive and, and impactful learning experience. Yeah, I mean, I think that a metrics or measurement is important, but it doesn't have to be the primary focus. And I think that's what you're right. saying is, look, we, we want you to feel good. We want you to look good. We want you to have more energy. We want your joints to work better. We want your digestive system to be good and get rid of the bloating and all of the other things that come along with these commonly ingested foods uh, that we have. Now, uh, you you do have some strict rules with this. You know, you, when one of the things is, and you've stayed in there a couple of times, uh, if somebody breaks the plan, they need to start the plan all over again. So what you're saying is if somebody ingests a sugar or puts agave in their tea, uh, they got to start the whole 30 days all over again. I think I know why, but for my listeners, tell me why that's so. That you gotta start <laughs> all over. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, there's actually a couple of different components to that. Um, it's largely um, to underscore personal responsibility, which is uh, we get to choose what foods we eat and don't eat um, to, a, to a very, very, very large degree. And the awareness component and the, the planning and preparation and personal accountability component is a really strong feature of the way the Whole30 is built. So uh, if you want to change the way your health is progressing, if you want to change your psychological relationship with food, um, you need to really kind of jump in and say, okay, I'm really going to do this. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let the program work basically. Um, and so there's that component where doing it in moderation, because we've, you know, a lot of people will say everything in moderation. And the problem with that approach is that it just doesn't really work to resolve any longstanding issues in terms of medical symptoms, but it also doesn't allow you to learn very much about your body because if you are sensitive to any of the foods you're eating in moderation, then you're not, your status quo, your baseline is not particularly, is not necessarily your healthiest, your healthiest choice. So what we really want to do is we want to pull things out completely. And we really mean completely 100% removal of some of these commonly problematic foods for the full 30 days. And that also has a pretty strong scientific backing because immunologically, if you're sensitive to some of these, some of these foods, it just takes tiny, tiny amounts, literally micrograms of some of these compounds to continue to propagate the inflammation in the digestive tract and in the body at, 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 um, at, at whole, at, at large. And then, so what, what would happen then is even if it was just, you know, a little bit of creamer in your coffee, a, a bite of your friend's pizza, um, even just really small amounts of food are enough to kind of perpetuate some of that dysfunction, which will then make it difficult for you to have a truly kind of clean slate with your systematic reintroduction at the end of 30 days, which means you're not able to learn what you could learn with full removal. Is that what you thought the answer was going to be? I did. Well, I did. That was, a longer, <laughs> that was a longer version of it. But the reality is, is that I know it's like, you know, people say this, you can't be part pregnant, right? You, right. you either are or you aren't, right? And so what you're saying, the reason you hold these strict rules is more importantly 
because ingesting any of these substances again um, actually throws the whole system off. We're that sensitive. Our souls, our beings, everything about us, the way we function, um, you know, the our environment, the air we breathe, everything around us, the biosphere, it's all important to overall health, right? So you're saying, hey, look, let's not cheat. And I think that that's important. Now, one of the things that that you have great Q&As in this book, I just, you know, look, it, it, the book is worth just buying it for the Q&As, although there's great recipes in the back for my listeners as well. Um, but it kind of mimics a paleo diet. And on your website, you're cutting up something. I can't tell if it's a cow or what it is. But what's what would you say the difference is between you guys and kind of a paleo diet? Because you are part of the paleo FX board. Yeah. So on. So uh, speak with my listeners I, about. Yeah. So I think, I think, and, and you bring up a kind of a good observation um, in our, um, our perspective, um, as far as how the whole 30 was originally um, kind of originally uh, created comes from the perspective that the foods that we are most likely to thrive on are the foods that we've been eating for the longest time. So there is um, sort of an evolutionary biology bent to that. But it's not, uh, we're not concerned, <clears throat> pardon me, but we're not concerned um, with exactly what our prehistoric ancestors may or may not have eaten. What we're really concerned with is um, how do foods affect you as an individual here and now in the real time, in, the, in this modern world that we inhabit. And um, so I think the Whole30 and a general paleo lifestyle, um, or more specifically a paleo diet, are really complementary, um, and I think that the Whole30 is a really great springboard into a healthy way of eating long term. And I think that that paleo approach, um, in terms of eating those minimally processed plants and animals, uh, I think is a really great approach. The thing that kind of concerns us in looking at the way uh, paleo is sort of administered in the in the mainstream now, because it's becoming such a popular program, is that the focus has become more about what you don't eat than what you do eat. And so what we see is the exclusion of grains and dairy and things like that. But what then we see is the replacement of low nutrient uh, kind of baked goods and pizza and that kind of stuff with technically approved paleo ingredients. But they're kind of missing the whole point of choose nutrient-dense whole plants and plant and animal foods on a regular basis and don't make the focus about recreating junk food with technically approved ingredients. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of just kind of a general comment on that, uh, on the paleo approach in general. But the Whole30 and a paleo lifestyle are really very complementary, and we think the Whole30 is a perfect springboard into a longer-term lifestyle. Well, I remember um, interviewing Brendan Brazier, so I have to ask this question because Brendan's a good friend now. And, you know, he's the vegan triathlete and created the kind of the protein drink things that you see out yeah. there now. The question is, you know, do you guys advocate the use of any of these like protein powders in general that people are putting into their green drinks in the morning, which, by the way, is um, what I'm drinking right now? <laughs> we, we typically we typically don't. Um, and there's a few different reasons for that. Um, you know, from a protein source standpoint, um, you know, a lot of these proteins are either dairy based like whey protein and casein. Or they're going to be um, based on some plant proteins that have been fairly highly processed to extract the protein components. They'll be uh, soy protein, uh, hemp protein, rice, pea protein, some of these kind of things if, it, if you're going the vegan route. And um, 
the issue with that is a couple things. One, um, it's not nearly as, as satisfying to, uh, you know, to drink liquid food, to, you know, to drink a protein shake um, compared to eating a solid meal. And from a sort of, um, from a satiety hormone standpoint, we find people do a lot better with appetite control and eat a solid meal versus drinking a shake. The other component to that is that um, there's a lot of uh, food components, particular protein fragments that um, come from those foods, um, especially on the, the vegan um, sourcing side of things, are still present in the protein powders that you could buy commercially that commonly are problematic for people. So whether you're talking about pea protein or some other sort of thing um, that comes that you know that comes from um, from that plant source, sometimes people are really sensitive uh, to some of those protein fragments and don't do well with them, but don't know because they haven't done without them. So just like any other food, we would say you should be able to do just fine without any specific food for at least 30 days and just do a trial, see how mm-hmm. you feel without it, and then reintroduce it and pay attention. And I think that can be really re- really informative for people. Um, now, that being said, that um, looking at some of those, uh, what are essentially processed plant proteins, um, can be a strategy that can be used um, either for people who are vegan or vegetarian trying to do the Whole30, or for people who are um, really aggressive, hard-training athletes that need an additional dense protein supply above and beyond their nutrient-dense whole foods. And then we can, we'll sometimes work with people to create strategies to, to answer that need. But that's not the average person, and that's not the person who exercises regularly and tries to eat healthy. Um, we still think that whole, real, unprocessed, uh, nutrient-dense plants and animals is the best case, the best case scenario for your for your day-to-day food. Now, that's a great position to take, and I think that you know you find people today on in a faster track, right? And everybody's trying to find a way to consume their nutrients or their nutrition in a quicker way. So, you know, the shake becomes one of those quick fixes kind of things. And I would agree. Right. Um, the satiation is not there, meaning, you know, are, is our body satisfied by it? Because, you know, are you hungry two hours later and then you got to go have some celery or, you know, eat some carrots or do whatever. Not that those are bad things to eat. It's just that right. you're right. I think having that food in there is a great way to look at this. But you have some great tips uh, in the book for grocery lists, dining out, and generally preparing for the Whole30 program. What would you tell my listeners in general if they're going to go pick up your book that they need to know in prepping for a program like this? So, yes, yeah, so we actually have a, uh, have a section in the book that specifically, that specifically says, how do I get ready to do this? How do I set this up ahead of time? And, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of uh, – I think there's a lot of kind of cues and, and, and tips to kind of get ready. A lot of it has to do with um, – with cleaning out your pantry, with getting stuff out of the way so that you don't um, come home at the end of a, you know, the end of a day. And just kind of in, in terms of um, hunger, low energy, mental focus, whatever, um, end up sort of like going back to old food habits. So part of it is cleaning out your pantry and kind of really getting things um, ready to go. And then really it comes down to planning and preparation. So having those nutrient dense whole 30 approved foods um, on board, um, and having them available, um, not just for your meals, but also in case you are hungry between meals. Because that planning and preparation key really is, um, it really is a central reason why people kind of succeed with the Whole30. So, um, you know, there's a, we outlined kind of other strategies as far as getting friends and family on board. You know, at least at a bare minimum, if you don't have anybody else participating with you in person, at least connecting with, with some folks online. We've got a really amazing 
um, supportive community on the Whole30 forum. It's a free access uh, resource for people um, so they can have some accountability and support um, through their Whole30 if they don't have somebody there doing it with them. Because that accountability piece is really important um, to helping people stay on track when they struggle. And, you know, you had mentioned um, the first few days of a program um, can really be quite, uh, can be quite trying because it's so different than what we're used to. And um, as the body adjusts to new foods, as you go through sort of a stabilization of blood sugar, there can be some days where you're kind of where you're hungry, where you don't, where you don't feel really kind of, um, you know, mentally focused or mentally clear. You can get headaches, like there's things that kind of t- take place there. And that's not an indication that the program is bad for you, that it's harming you. It's really an indication that your body is transitioning to a more stable fuel supply, primarily being fat. Um, and not relying solely on sugar as a fuel source. And that stabilization takes a few days to to kick in. Yeah, most definitely. Well, you know, Dallas, last question, and and it was interesting because, you know, these people go through the 30 days, and then you heard one guy in there say, hey, you know, now you're asking me to not eat this for another 10 days. And this is about the reintroduction of the foods into the diet, carefully, slowly, and thoughtfully, as you say. You tell people to reintroduce it, reintroduce it in groups, you know, kind of food groups. So if you're going to reintroduce yeah. something, you do it in a group. Uh, why and what are the benefits to doing that? So this, the the systematic reintroduction um, and the way we kind of group it is just a way of organizing um, the way the way food groups are are um, are kind of put back in as a stimulus to the digestive tract, to your psychological response, to the uh, immune system. And um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people identify which foods or types of food groups are the ones that are either okay for them and and really do well or don't do so well. And um, sort of from a molecular standpoint, the types of molecules present in uh, something like, um, you know, like a, a whole wheat bread are going to be similar to the types of molecules are going to be present in uh, rye bread or in a pasta or um, some other grain-based or specifically wheat-based food. So we try we tell people like, hey, you know, do try a few different sorts of these things. And, and there is an interesting um, example of this where sometimes people will say, uh, I tol- I seem to tolerate, um, and this actually this is my personal experience. I seem to tolerate small amounts of um, butter or heavy cream or something like that, or like a low lactose. Uh, dairy pretty well. But if I drink milk, I get GI discomfort. So for me, I was able to kind of suss out which of these different components was okay and not okay for me. Um, But that's really where getting people in and sort of dialing that in over time. And that's actually why the the Whole30 is a great tool because you can learn a tremendous amount about yourself, um, both psychologically and physiologically through the Whole30 with the reintroduction but then come back to the Whole30 in the future and dial it in even more. And with your reintroduction, maybe with a second Whole30, you can then sort of figure out, well, you know, are some, you know, are some aged cheeses okay versus maybe some soft cheeses not okay? Or do I do okay with heavy cream, but I don't do okay with any uh, ice cream or milk? And so you can really get um, pretty granular with uh, which foods are okay and not okay for you. And then you just get to make educated choices literally for the rest of your life because you know once and for all which food groups affect you and how. Well, you know, what you say, uh, Dallas, seems so logical, yet I think that the, I don't just say this, the addiction to these various food groups becomes so ingrained in somebody's pattern that to actually do a pattern interrupt and to say, great, 
We're going to start tomorrow. We're going to take out all the sugar, right? Um, you know, it, it's, it is a big shift for them. But for my listeners who, are, who have been listening to this podcast up to this point, I can highly recommend this book. And Dallas, where would you and Melissa like to send people to actually learn more about Whole30, uh, this book, um, your other book called um, It Starts With Food? Um, I think both of those would be great things for them to get a hold of. You probably have online webinars or places where they can get help or assistance. Uh, tell us a little bit more about where they should start. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, so many different resources available, um, most of them uh, totally free. Uh, the best place to start is our website, which is whole30.com. So that's W-H-O-L-E 30.com. Um, and there is a free forum there. There's an extensive uh, FAQ. There's lots of uh, resources. Um, the forum is a really great sort of social support tool. Uh, the book itself is available um, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Indigo Chapters, lots of these uh, major booksellers. It's easy to grab it online. Um, it Starts With Food is also available everywhere books are sold. Um, those are kind of the two best places. And then on social media, we're on, uh, we're on Instagram, which is at Whole30. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, we really have got a lot of stuff going on there. So feel free to stop by and, uh, and check out any of those resources and connect with us there. Well, Dallas, thanks for being on with me this morning and sharing some of your wisdom and insight about the Whole30 program. It's been a pleasure having you on. And for my listeners, um, as Dallas said, you can go to Whole30.com to learn more about them. I will be putting up links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of their social media sites so that you can follow them as well from the posting at Inside Personal Growth. Dallas, it's been a pleasure. You, you have a wealth of wisdom and knowledge about this, and I just hope that this uh, podcast interview has inspired some of my listeners um, to take heed to your advice and pick up the book and make a change in their life. Thanks for being on with us. Thanks so much, Greg.